Just before we get started, the Second Act Podcast would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on Treaty 7 land inhabited by the Blackfoot Nations. This includes the Siksika, Pikani, and Kainai. We would also like to acknowledge the Sutsina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, as well as the Métis Nations and all people who make their home on Treaty 7 land in southern Alberta. But now that we've paid respects to people that were here before us, let's start the pod. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Second Act Podcast. Today's guest is incredibly radical, eh? Radical is uh, quite the adjective used to describe our guest today, Cass Prochera. Cassandra Prochera is somebody that uh, we've had in the crosshairs for a long, long time, and we've worked really hard to uh, to line it up and make it work. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, Cass has actually been one of your longest-awaited pods on here. Uh, you mentioned in the pod, but... You asked her, she was the first person you asked when you had this brain baby back in 2018. And now all these years later, it's finally coming to fruition. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of been a long and winding road, but we got her on here and uh, and that's kind of the most important part. So you've listened to the pod. Um, what do you find interesting or notable about it? I uh, really enjoyed her story um, about midway through the pod. Um, she was making a video for a mountain bike cross training uh, camp to help you train on your mountain bikes and she got a whole bunch of girls out and they were all training and she got a um she got a bar on board gave them a gave them a table or two and really like presented this video and it's kind of when she realized how like how much she enjoyed doing the recording part and it's a testament to how determined and passionate she was about the photography and cinematography aspect of her career well and that's something that you've kind of over the years you've taken some classes in school and different things like that. So it kind of goes to show you that uh, you don't have to kind of come out of the gate hot. You can goof around and see what works and see what sticks and shoot some video and crush some beers with your friends and go to a bar in Whistler. Yeah, it's a really interesting pod, but we can't sit here and tell you about her story. That's for Cass to do. So without any further ado, Cass Prochera. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, Cass. It's actually... uh, (laughs) It's, it's like I think we were talking about the other day. Um, I do think that you were the very first person I ever asked to be on the pod in 2018. And it's taken us um, three and a half years and then even today <laughs> an extra 20 minutes to get the bugs worked out of it. But but here we are and, and we couldn't be we happy to have you. Thank you. Stoked to be here. And you want to know what? That was a pretty big day for uh, the both of us. That was my first day actually ever on a snow bike. So I'm pretty stoked for today's chats. We're going to talk about where things have all started for me and now where we're at now. And now it's really heavy into the snow biking. So uh, for the both of us, you know, three years has been a lot has happened in that time. Yeah, well, that's the one thing you can always count on. Um, we we even like can talk about this was pre-COVID, which if anybody <laughs> yeah. can remember. So, so you mentioned that a little bit about, um, you know, it's it hasn't been a linear path for you to get to uh, from from who you were growing up to this uh, this crazy snow biker lady who does all these crazy cool things all over BC. Why don't you give us a little bit of a feel for early cast and what that was all about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I had mentioned before, I'm from small town Saskatchewan. So growing up for me was uh, was a lot of fun, I suppose, just trying to uh, you know make fun of the time that you have out in the prairies. And for me, a lot of that was playing hockey in the winter time or you know chasing sleds around on the uh, on the lake. And that sort of thing. And, um, you know, summertime was mostly helping my grandmother out actually up north in northern Saskatchewan, um, living at a very simple, smaller cabin up there. And, uh, you know, for me, it was a pretty heavy sports life actually growing up. And of course, at that time, dirt bikes for me were bikes that were out on the track, me more so like motocross and some freestyle jump stuff that some of my friends were doing. Um, not a lot of what I'm doing now out in the back country, but you know, that's what it was. And it was, you know, just fun for fun type hobby stuff. And, uh, you know, lucky for me right out of the gate, I guess, you know, I decided I'm gonna, I was gonna buy my mom's house off her with the guy that I was with at the time. And, you know, I had that opportunity for that. And that's something that also sparked me to want to jump on the tools because the trades at that time were doing so well. And, you know, with then being a tradesperson, you can work and go to school. And that allowed me to pay my mortgage and uh, fund all that, that life that I was building up there. And that was owning a home. I had a big work service van. I was doing my, my apprenticeship and uh, 
keeping it very simple, I guess, then. And it was, you know, a lot of a, a contrast to the life that I'm living now and that it was very, it was much more so domesticated. So I'm really grateful for that experience, being able to have, you know, right out of high school, have all that, that life, it was building up quick. And, you know, the career was there, owned a house. And, um, but, you know, some things, of course, changed in that, you know, that felt really good maybe for the first four or five years. And then as time developed, it became more obvious with, you know, the more money that I was making and, and my partner at the time, uh, maybe, you know, how different we were and certain things that felt good, at, you know, and were fulfilling just weren't anymore. And, um, you know, for me, it was, it was hard to ignore this, you know, this screaming for something else and something different. And from the outside, it was something that I would say looked, you know, really like the full package, I guess, to say, you know, and the, and the house was, you know, just a block away from an elementary school and, you know, the whole white picket fence thing. And, um, but for me, it felt very different. And so that kicked uh, <laughs> me, uh, you know, that was my first real experience where I had to, you know, sit down with myself. And after being that uncomfortable for that long, um, had to make some changes. And so, and so I did. So at this point, you're, so you're a journeyman electrician now, were you, did you have your, your papers and all that stuff at that time? Or were you kind of winging it at that point, trying to figure out exactly what you wanted to do with that? Certainly, you know, winging it at that time. That was me still at that time of when I left the, that house that I owned in Saskatchewan. Uh, I was just a third year sparking. So the, you know, the, the long story short of that was, uh, you know, it was, you know, the guy I was with was great, but it was also like I was mentioning, you know, you know, with the more money we made, it became more obvious how different we were. And, you know, because I love you, I got to leave you, I stepped away from that and uh, <laughs> took, you know, some of the, the funds that I had gotten for myself from that and bought a plane ticket to the other side of the world. You know, once I found out that I had my spot in school for my fourth year of electrical or for my fourth year, um, I decided, you know what, I've got that. I've got the hours for that. I'm going to take some time and go and, and experience something totally different. And so with that, I bought that plane ticket to New Zealand. And this was actually my first time ever being in the mountains. So, you know, for me, you know, it was a very simple life in Saskatchewan. We didn't do a lot of traveling around. And um, so I jumped across to the other side of the world just myself. And it was that experience where, you know, it was me getting the opportunity to then reintroduce my or to introduce myself to a lot of people. But I feel like that was an experience for me that was me getting to say, hey, I'm Cass, hey, I'm Cass, hey, I'm Cass over and over again. And that was something that I feel a part of me needed because growing up, I was always um, attached to, you know, whether it be, you know, my sister and I were the youngest of so many cousins and we were always, you know, the girls will, the girls will be, you know, here, there doing this and that. And then, you know, I was in that long-term relationship and it was always myself and that other person. Now this experience wasn't just, you know, about me getting away and experiencing life on another part of the world, but also me getting to separate myself from the world that I was, you know, all my life up until that point. And that was always me being a part of something else where I could just, step away and I wouldn't say it as to be something or you know a moment where I was soul searching but almost just reconnecting and and you know who's cast aside from all these other things that I'm I'm known for it was a it was a big uh a big deal for me at that time and it's what's created that experience in New Zealand I was there for four months uh in that time going away and being there <laughs> didn't make my mom very happy I can tell you that for free <laughs> I'm going to go travel to the other side of the world and I'm going to go and do it by myself and I'm leaving next month. That was kind of the, the way that went and that, but, you know, in that four months, that was me meeting a lot of people, you know, in, you know, from all different parts of the world. Cause I actually find New Zealand to be a place that's almost like a condensed version of Canada. They've got, uh, you know, the big mountains like we do uh, out in the West, but then they've also got that sea Harbor life and there's different people from all parts of the world that come and visit and see experience New Zealand. So I got, you know, uh, you know, pretty action packed four months of just, you know, enjoying, you know, bikes and uh, I jumped, I got into a few uh, waterfall jumps, skydiving, you know, just going out and spending all the money that I had <laughs> before coming back. And uh, it was pretty fun. It was a pretty incredible experience. And it was near the end of that trip. I remember saving actually um, 
a place called Queenstown in New Zealand. I saved that one for last because I had heard all these rumors about, you know, that's the place you're going to go and you're never going to want to leave or, you know, you'll go and you'll want to be spending all your money. And um, sure enough, I get to this town and as the bus is rolling through the town, I look up and I see this gondola with all these bikes strapped to the side of this gondola. And I'm looking at that and I look around the town and people are pushing around these big suspension bikes with these full face helmets. And I'm like mountain biking what is this? And that was the start of, of it all. I'm like, oh, give me the stuff. So I remember I went down into the town, rented the bike, rented, got all the gear. And I was basically, I was stuck in the bike park for maybe, you know, the last seven days that I had in New Zealand before having to come to Canada. And, uh, you know, I met some incredible people, you know, those are the memories you'll never forget. I was the girl, you know, on the doorstep waiting to rent the bike first thing in the morning, you know, the people at the shop knew there's cast. And, uh, you know, those people told me, we'll see you um, in Crankworks or during Crankworks in Canada in August. And that was a seed planted for me knowing that, yep, I'm like, I got to get my butt to, to BC when I, after I get back to Canada. So I, um, then had to fly back to Canada because I had my fourth year of electrical school booked for January so I landed back in Canada just before Christmas and then uh, yeah we jumped into school had two months of that and it wasn't long before I was selling all, a lot of my stuff so that I could pack up a little red truck and uh, move it out to BC where I am now. There's there's a lot of things that happened in in this uh, couple of minutes of your description. Um, the first thing that jumps out of my mind is um, yeah, that must have been scary as hell like if you didn't have and, and it's not that it was that you were going halfway around the world by yourself and all that. You did leave, a, like you, you kind of went from your, your family's life and then you had this long-term relationship that probably bled across both of that. And then you moved into that life. And there was never a real time where you looked around you and felt alone. And, and now all of a sudden you're on an airplane, um, Vancouver's getting further and further away as you, as you lift up and, and you're going somewhere you've never been. And, um, you really have to make this work, I guess, because uh, knowing you, you, you're you're prideful. You weren't going to come back with your tail between your legs. You were going to. And that had to be scary. Yeah. Yeah. It was. A, and there's a theme to it. It seems like since all this started is, you know, I've always just been like right off the deep end kind of thing. You know, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Because it's something that I remember hearing a long time ago yet when I was in high school. It's funny, these things that I hold on to and that I, you know, they come around every couple of months, maybe for me. But little things like um, like that, whether, you know, if you don't like something about your life, change it. It's just, you know, it's all the simple things that you hear growing up and that you maybe brush off. But then you grow up a little bit and you're like, OK, wait, maybe there's some truth to that you know, right, kind of yeah. deal. And uh, for me, it's like, I don't know, you don't know until you try. And uh, it's, you know, I can't get it out of my mind. So you know what, here it is and sink or swim. If it's good, great. If it's not, well, now I know, I guess. <laughs> but it's like, you don't know until you try kind of thing. So I don't know, I couldn't. And for me with New Zealand, it was, to be honest, a friend of mine who's a drummer back in the small town that I grew up in, he was me or he is maybe five or six years older than me and I remember like oh this guy's so cool and oh he went to New Zealand and I'm like I want to go I could go to New Zealand I'm that's I'm going to New Zealand you <laughs> know <laughs> so Brad Heck if you're listening you were a little bit of an inspiration to that that's just one thing I can't explain other than it was just you know when yeah. an idea stuck in my mind can't think about anything else you want to know what okay I'm gonna do it so well and it's it yeah and it, I mean kind of it's doesn't really matter what the catalyst was it's that was that was what you did and and that it brought all this other stuff kind of you know it gave you the ability to believe in yourself that you can do it it opened up some doors for when you came back you know and and you were a journeyman at that point so so you had these skills that were transferable I mean 110 volts is 110 volts doesn't matter where you work right so yeah so you have this opportunity um, but again, it would have been real easy for you to just do the status quo and, and have this little four month thing that you, you did, uh, when you were younger to tell your kids about later and you didn't do that. You, you built on that. So even though there might've been a little bit less risk after all that, you still took, you still had your pedal to the metal all the way through that. Um, mm -hmm. you, you, the, the belief in yourself after that trip to New Zealand like it must've just compounded because I mean, I, I, we've known each other now four or five years and, and it's, it's just constant with you. And like, every time the Instagram pops up, it's like, what's Cass doing today? Because you, you could never, <laughs> you, you could never open it up and see there something. Going. And, yeah. Well, it could, you never, <laughs> it, 
if you, if I open it up and I'm surprised, I'm not paying attention because you do so many. You're in Nelson. You're in Whistler. You're in Revelstoke. I know it's you're crazy. Doing and and you're <laughs> you're you're rebuilding a panel. You're jumping a snow bike off a mountain. You're doing all these wild things that. So so once you learned to foster that, um, the world must have just kind of felt like it was opening up to all these new things for you. Yeah, it made me feel, well, you know, it was that, that was a big one. I mean, if you know, you've never been, that's a lot. I've been to Europe previous, but that's like the high school trip. You can't really, no, I don't want to say you can't count that, but it's not the same as going off to travel on your own. But, you know, when I did go uh, and do something, you know, as big as New Zealand, coming back to Canada, I was determined. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be in Whistler. I'm going to be in Whistler next summer and booking the flight was no, no big deal. And at that time, my mom's like, what, now you're going to, now you're going to BC like for her she's like you would have had to have gone to New Zealand and you've got you know that you know you know you blew off some steam cool like and but it was actually just the start of what was going to be routine or you know the out of the gate for me with this lifestyle that's kind of sort of on the road I have developed that like cast the gypsy uh nickname I'm not going to say I hate it but I, I'm not the fan of it all the time <laughs> I hear that and I'm like oh there it is but um you know it was you know it was it was funny because you know mom thought you know I would have you know went and got that out of my hair and then came back to Saskatchewan and like okay calm down got your townhouse got another big truck and you know you'll I'll, I'll be sweet and it'll be and it'll stay but no I sold the townhouse and I bought a little red Tacoma and uh drove it to BC after flying there and deciding yep I'm gonna move to BC so what I did do uh, came back finished my last year of electrical school was squirrely stir crazy for about a month and a half. I'm like, what am I doing? Oh yeah, book the flight. So then booked it to uh, land in Vancouver. Crazy story, but you know, I could tell stories for days, but um, ended up in Squamish and uh, had to stay in Squamish because Whistler was all booked up. I ended up booking this flight the weekend and I didn't know what Crankworks was at the time, this big mountain bike festival. Uh, I booked my flight to land that weekend and there was no place to stay in Whistler because of this mountain bike festival that was going on. So I'm like, ah, well, Squamish sounds pretty rad too. I knew I wanted to visit that place as well. So I'm like, okay, I'll stay a couple nights in Squamish and then I'll get on the bus and I'll, I'll make my way up to Whistler kind of deal. Right. So I land, it was late in the, or it was, yeah, it was later in the day and got into Squamish late at night, woke up the next morning, decided I'm going to go for a quick run before I get on the bus out to Whistler. So uh, get up the next morning out of my run and as I come around this corner I see this big building with this massive waterfall going over the top of it I'm like what is this place and I look and I'm like oh visitor center okay yeah I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna I'll, I'll chat them up and I'll figure out my way to Whistler they'll if anyone's gonna know they're gonna know how I can you know get around and I'll ask them about the mountain biking around there as well because at this point I'm full-on stoked on mountain bikes at, you know at the time that's where uh, why I was coming to the West Coast after riding all that much in the bike park in Queenstown. So I go for my run and on my way back, I come into the, I step into the Whistler Center, kick the door in and I said, hey, I'm Cass. I'm totally stoked on mountain biking. I'm here visiting from Saskatchewan and I'm making my way up to Whistler. And the guy at the counter just stops and he's kind of like dumbfounded a little bit. And he's like, well, actually we're looking for a mountain bike guide here in Squamish. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm not saying no, that sounds pretty rad, but I'm pretty committed to Whistler, but we'll see. But I had the guys laughing behind the counter and, you know, my enthusiasm for mountain biking was obvious. And so like, okay, okay, well, you know, give us a call if, you know, things change or if, you know, you want this position as a mountain bike guide here in Squamish. And I'm like, mountain bike guide. So I make my way up to Whistler and, and there's another bunch of stories there. So I'm there and, you know, crank, crank works is going on and met a lot of really great people there. I've decided, yep, I'm moving to Whistler. This is going to be great. I'm trying to find a place. And, you know, all the rumors are true. Housing or, you know, rental in Squamish or Squamish and Whistler, but Whistler is just insane. So I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, you know, if I'm going to be living here, I'm going to need to be working here. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll take on that job in Squamish. So another quick long story short, I ended up finding a place to live in Squamish because Whistler is so busy. Um, and I, I took on the job to be a mountain bike guide in Squamish after 10 days of riding the bike park in Queenstown. Now I'm mountain bike guiding in Squamish. So here we go off the deep end again. I'm going to be a mountain bike guide in Squamish. And so for me, lucky for me out of sports, I've always, you know, caught on pretty quick. Uh, so I did then fly back to Saskatchewan, sold a, a lot of my stuff, gave it a lot of a lot of it away to my friends who are actually growing up and becoming adults and, you know, finding, you know, getting a place of their own. 
uh, gave a lot of my stuff away and then bought a little red Tacoma, sold my Ford. I had a Ford at one time, uh, sold that, bought my little red Tacoma, packed up all my bikes and whatever could fit in the truck and drove it to BC. And that was the end of me living in Saskatchewan and my journey out to now then living in British Columbia. And, uh, that, and that summer I was mountain bike guiding in Squamish and, and it was pretty wild. It was good. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, the, the success that you're, you're finding in, in a very short period of time and not, I'm, I'm not talking, um, necessarily monetary success or something like that. Just, you want to go do something and it works out and you can do this and you find a place to live and you get this job. Um, it, it's gotta be, and, and it's, got to kind of be a self-perpetuating thing where you're like I can do this this is this is a piece of cake I just have to keep working at it and putting putting my best foot forward and people are going to see that I'm enthusiastic and I'm I, I'm good at these things um and eventually you kind of have to feel comfortable I mean you do have your electrician's uh papers so so you can go and earn a living there's ways for you to do that um is it at this point you're like you've decided that BC's it for you and you just have to figure out where what your network's going to be or is the the lure of the prairie still once in a while um calling you back no, no. <laughs> it's not it's and i wasn't i wasn't sure like there are times when i can appreciate because it is so so different and these mountain these smaller mountain towns where i've kept myself based out of are quite transient so every once in a while i'll feel that like maybe you know that's why i have maybe an itch to to get in the truck and you know maybe go and for a drive or whatnot it's because it is so different from home but also when I am home and I return I feel like that that I'm in the right place that you know? piece and is that, back yeah yeah like I'm, I'm grateful to have family that's there and I can go and I can visit and it feels good but there's never really been any doubt in that you know me moving out here was not the right decision yeah um so it's I don't yeah it and then even though now I did though I know I, I appreciate experiencing new places and new people. It doesn't feel like traveling is quite done yet for me. Unfortunately, COVID is being awkward right now and making travel super awkward, but uh, I wouldn't mind checking out a few different places in the States and, uh, you know, and, and experiencing some of that other, that life, that sports life down there. And so for me to say like right now, BC is home, but if it's home forever, uh, I'm not not so sure <laughs> just yet it's still it's still in the gypsy phase so maybe we'll have chats again in another three years and we'll see where <laughs> well and you don't have, you don't have to declare where you want to live for the rest of your life that's, uh, that's and and i'm i'm in the same boat a little bit i mean we live just outside of calgary now uh, my mom grew up in nelson bc so we spent a ton oh. of time in nelson growing up and and then we of course we grew up not terribly a mile uh, far apart from each other in saskatchewan just 15 years apart from each other but um yeah. but uh so I, I and I'm the same way like we go to we go back to Saskatchewan for the summers to to go to the real lakes right because there's no real lakes in Alberta so we go yeah. back and spend our summers there and we get our fill and then we get back out here where there's a little bigger people more people there's more to do our kids have all these opportunities that we weren't afforded growing up in rural Saskatchewan and yeah. and then we go to Nelson to see family and it's like this is really cool too and we kind of get to see it all so it I, I understand all of those things that you're talking about. Yeah, that's a good in-between you have right there. And the Kootenays are awesome. That in that Nelson area. Oh, yeah. It's I like uh, a lot of families still out there. I have uh, a cousin who lives in Salmo. Uh, she works like her job is to work for uh, Shambhala. Like that's where she works all oh. year round. Yeah. Um, it's like in everything you think about that little area that there's I have people in my family that represent all of those little things The the uh you know the the rumors yeah. the rumors of, of what people do there that's and it's great it, they love it they <laughs> they they don't care about the price of oil or a mask mandate they just live yeah. their life and that's and that's a cool thing man that's really yeah cool. carrying so, on i like that so you're when i got to know you um you were you were big into photography you were doing a lot of yeah. of that and that was kind of like a segue into um you know being able to to make a living doing the bikes in the mountain the motocross the snow biking the, the mountain biking you were finding ways to stoke that and and be able to make a living and and that entrepreneurial spirit has served you well I mean you know anyone who's following along on your Instagram sees all the work you're doing with uh, various brands and stuff like that was that a bent that you always had or did you kind of have when you decided this is what you liked 
you were like, how, how can I make a little bit of money while I'm getting to go up on the mountains and do all this fun stuff? Well, actually, so for me, growing up, photography was never, never anything that came to mind. And nobody in my family, no friends or family were ever into anything like that, whether, you know, photo, film, you know, brand work, marketing, media, none of that. So we're farmers from Saskatchewan. So it's like, get, put your phone away and get your butt to work kind of more yeah. than it is anything that it is now. And I'm sure I know my family gets a good, good laugh at me um, with all that stuff. And that's, that's totally fine. I totally earn it. But uh, for me, it was actually a little bit of, it was all by accident. So like, you know, just to even backtrack to like all this mountain bike stuff. And when it started taking off for me in, um, on the West coast in Squamish and Whistler, I remember I was mountain bike guiding in Squamish. I was downhill mountain bike riding in the park, in the mountain bike park in Whistler. And I was riding the motocross track with my YZ 125 that I had at the time in Pemberton. They have a pretty, pretty sick track, the Green River track. So that's where I was. And that's what I was doing. And because for me, mountain biking, you know, I caught on to it pretty quick. I was getting out with a lot of friends that were maybe just getting started then for the first time. Like you get to meet a lot of people who are there <clears throat> and traveling and get out in the bike park and or in Squamish. And I would say, like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll rip ahead. I know a part of this trail that's, you know, got some some gnarly roots and rocks or whatnot. And you ride through it and I'll get a photo of you. And it would just be like with my phone. And I don't even know if it was maybe even just a flip phone at the time or maybe not maybe like Blackberry or something like that, but I'd ride ahead and I'd go and I'd take this photo or take a few photos for them. And I would say, like, oh, they were scared or they were nervous about it, but they did it. And it's almost because it's like, oh, I'm getting a photo. You know, this could be, you know, it's like that extra little bit. And so I'd come back at the end of the day and maybe edit it just a little bit and I'd send it to them. And I'd just be so stoked to, to do that. And I remember there were times where I'm like killing, you know, how much time doing this, maybe trying to, I, I'm total amateur hour at the time, but editing this photo and I'm like, I should be looking for something that pays better while I'm here, like in a, living in a place that's so much more expensive, but I couldn't get myself away from, from doing this. And then I get to see them post it, maybe a photo, whether it be on Facebook uh, or Instagram that I took and them talk about how they were just so stoked about that, right? And, you know, it made me feel excited. It made me feel really fulfilled, I guess. And so that, you know, that started it a bit with me and like being excited to then start thinking about photos and you know what it really can do and I really have then had an appreciation for it when I tied it with the power sports stuff or extreme sports I guess at the time because it was mountain biking um so that's that sparked that and started that whole thing but uh you know as like you know it carried on with me in the the mountain biking um I I ended up meeting somebody who worked at a gym and wanted to do these mountain bike cross training clinics. And so I'm like, Oh, this, this sounds pretty rad. And then I'd always be dreaming about different sports edits in my mind. And that would be more so video than the photo stuff, but you know, it's all kind of in that same family, I guess. And I'd, you know, if I ever went for a run or if I was pedaling my bike, I'd be listening to music and I'd be thinking about these awesome edits to the, this music. And then I, so I was like, Oh yeah, I'll jump into this mountain bike cross training, but I'm like, but we can totally promote it if we put, you know, really well, if we put this edit together of these girls shredding mountain bikes and to help to help promote this mountain bike cross training and the gym stuff. And it was like, you know, it's like the universe just listens to the words that come out of my mouth. Before I knew it, there was a videographer that was on board who had a drone and I sent out a message to like 30 some girls and I think 17 of them showed up in Squamish. And before you know it, there I am standing in front of all these ladies who are just shredders, like on, on the West Coast, you know, girls that I've you know become friends with over a bit of time. And I'm telling them my idea for this edit and, you know, thanking them for coming out. And they're just stoked to be a part of something. And they're on their bikes. And it's like, yeah, Cass, whatever you say kind of deal. And so we went out for this big day of riding in Squamish. We were riding this trail called Angry Midget. And I was running ahead and saying, this is what the trail's like up ahead. And this is where our videographer is going to be. And he's going to have the drone up over here. And before you know, I'm this like video, this, this um, director, or like, you know, and I was, uh, I put this little edit together. We had this day, we cheers it, and then I was spending maybe a couple hours for a few nights in a row there with the, the videographer to put this edit together, and I was just felt so jazzed up about it. I was just buzzing, and I so I was like, we need to have a premiere party for these girls. Maybe we can get a keg, or we can get something together, and we can, you know, play them the edit that we're going to use just for our little social media or whatever to promote our mountain bike cross training, and we can have a party, but then, uh, like, I take it to the next level, and I, I approach the newest bar in town in Squamish, and I said, hey, I'm Cass, and we shot this edit with all these girls that are out here on the west coast, and we put this edit together, and it's for, you know, the town for mountain bike cross training, and we want to throw a premiere party for all these girls, and I said, 
do you mind if we throw it up on your big screen and maybe we reserve this table and oh yeah yes sure well you know they they were totally on board super stoked about it i told a few other people before you know it the, the mountain bike shops in town are donating are donating different product and merchandise and we were doing this raffle i'm like what are we what are we raising money for that we've got all the, it was just this amazing party that evolved you know just with the energy that myself and a lot of the girls had at the time i'm standing now in front of this like bar full of people with this table full of girls and i'm like thanks for coming and for riding and for shredding here's this this edit that we put together of the, the ladies in the area you know and for me i was really excited to also showcase you know the joes amongst the pros because it's a spot where there are so many insane athletes, you know, and not to, to then take away to just like, you know, your everyday average Joe neighbor can shred the same thing that, you know, so-and-so with whichever brand, you know, I'm not going to be naming names and whatnot, but it's like, you know, that it's not the average Joe living out on the West coast or, you know, different parts of British Columbia. Right. So it was really cool to shine a light on them. And we had this party. I remember, I think I had only like the cider and a half. Cause I was just talking the whole time. <laughs> Finally, it was like, I got tapped on the shoulder and I'm looking around and there's nobody there. And I'm like, what's, and then I'm like, what's going on? They're like, Cass, it's two 30. We're shutting it down. I'm like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> so we had this like riot of a time. I had a blast. I don't know about anybody else, but I had a blast at this bar for this girl's premiere party. And uh, I woke up the next morning and I was just a total wreck. I was like, oh, I, I don't want to do mountain bike cross training programs. I just want to do these sick edits of girls shredding, you know, whether it be like photo or film, like, you know, that experience fed me so much. It was, it was so much work. I had no idea what I was doing in terms of just like having to, you know, think about a script and just placing the videographer and having and helping to run with the making the edit and all that and but it was that experience that made me so restless that it actually brought me to taking on a job in Calgary for a friend of ours uh and uh, I remember working that for maybe a week and a half or so and with all that money it was a pretty big electrical job took on that electrical job myself and with all that money I bought my first camera and lens and drove and that was a job in Calgary Alberta um finished that up bought the camera and the lens and then with that drove it out to BC and that started me my you know that was me then finally with my own camera an actual camera not a cell phone anymore but a camera and was driving back out to BC and I remember pulling over I think it was maybe Canmore or Banff and I remember emailing because I had it in my mind that I was going to be this mountain bike photographer <laughs> so I cold called the, the Trek Dirt series and I introduced myself I said hey I'm Cass I'm a mountain bike photographer and I'd be stoked to jump on board with you guys this summer and volunteer to take photos of you guys um, running your clinics in Whistler BC is where I'm going to be and they run clinics both in the, the bike park and then down in the trails that you don't have to be just downhill mountain biking but they'll do both a trail rider and a downhill mountain bike uh rider these clinics and so I just introduced myself as the person I felt myself to be I was not a mountain bike photographer at the time <laughs> I felt I knew like it's like I knew I got, that's what I am so I called them and I told them that they're like yeah sounds good Cass you know what love to have you uh, we'll we'll put you on our email list and we'll send you all the dates that we're we're going to be in and we'd be stoked to have you I'm like right on get off the phone oh shit I gotta <laughs> learn how to work this camera so it was uh off the deep end I go so I, again it was in a summer of chasing the uh, the Trek dirt bike series around in the bike park on trails and then of course I would take my camera out and take photos with some friends and then I had it also on the motocross track in Pemberton and I remember it was like the day I was shooting was the day I was getting Lightroom installed onto my MacBook Pro, like really and like up till three o'clock in the morning. because I'm learning how to use Lightroom after, you know, shooting the Trek Dirt series because I like to leave things like right to the last minute if I can. It's also something <laughs> I'm really good at. Cause if you watch me work, but watch me work under pressure and that's impressive. <laughs> no <Yeah>. sleep. <laughs> so I did I did that for that summer. I think there was maybe a total of four or five clinics and, and the summer after after that followed I, I did that for them as well um, and I wasn't taking photos for very long and uh, then I ended up getting invited to compete um, for the deep or for the Crankworks deep summer photo challenge like something that was like wow like amazing mountain bike photographers are excited to be a part of and do and I was just blown away that I got asked to do that and a part of me knew that I was super greenhorn yet you know I don't know what I'm doing and but I'm still I'm like yep yeah, I'll do it and I'm like oh god <laughs> this is gonna so that was another experience and 
all of that evolved uh, evolved its way up to uh you know i just you know once the summer was ending it was like i can't stop i can't stop taking photos or being involved in this you know mountain bike or mountain bike sorry backcountry scene or power sports scene and so i decided that i was going to move to revelstoke and i'm i'm going to do that with chicks that ride sleds I had no sled. I had, you know, only the prairie sled experience under my belt from like, you know, growing up as a kid with my dad on the lake. Um, but no, I had it in my head that I'm going to go to, to Revelstoke and I'm going to buy a sled and I'm going to and I'm going to tell that story of chicks that, you know, shred on sleds. That was my whole thing <laughs> at that time. And so it was, uh, again, um, a big season. And somehow I ended up you know, I ended up getting myself a sled and meeting a lot of really amazing people in the community. And, and that took off. And there was a huge thank you to ladies such as like Nadine Overwater and Julianne Chapman, who took me on in terms of like, saying I they would allow me to jump in as their photographer during their, you know, Nadine had a jump clinic. So hey, I'm Cass, and I'm on my, my old 2014 XM chassis, uh, do and I'm going to be taking photos for the group and it's like I've never actually been in a clinic or an event where I'm just a participant I'm learning how to sled and I'm taking photos and I'm just not totally winging it but kind of <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I did that you know the same thing with Julianne Chapman when she came out to Revelstoke I met her for the first time I, I reached out to her I believe it was by an email and she said, yeah, I'm coming to Revelstoke this day and would be stoked to have you on board if you don't mind. And you can also be pulling skis if you if you can. And I'm like, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. and met her out there and up and away we went. So that was me, you know, just throwing myself at, you know, different opportunity or what I could see to be opportunities that were me, you know, gave me the opportunity to learn. Um, and for me, it was like, because I can't stop thinking about it, I have to do this because I have to know if it's something that I, if I do want to keep doing or you know it's like it's keep trying until you find what it is that is your fit or like you know is this for real is this what I really want is this what I want to do and I'm going to you know put myself in a place where I know I can experience it you know the best I can I guess so big thank you to those that that did take me on um you know Trek Dirt Series was the first and then from there it evolved to other clinics well and I mean you're at the point at that point in time you're going from like Candlelick drift bang into Boulder Creek <laughs> or Boulder Mountain. Like, like it's and you know, it's like a big uh, thanks to my dad as a kid. I remember or just like holding the throttle to the bars and going, yeah, yeah, and just on the lake. <laughs> Throttles your friend in both places, but for different yeah. reasons, right? So, so you, so that's about the time um, that you and I uh, were introduced to each other. Is kind of you were, you know, you had your sled. You didn't have yeah. a snow bike yet. You had your sled. Um, yeah. You came out on a couple rides um, where you were taking pictures of us. I'm sure if you went back in the annals, there's a, a picture of, of um, a fat guy, a bald guy. In a, and I think you, I was wearing a Hanson yes, Carlson Chiefs. Yes, you were a jersey. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. But uh, so, yeah, so it was a lot of fun and stuff. And, and you're, you know, the next year you're, uh, you're selling your sled and your, your bike and right full time. That's, that's the move you were going to get into that for sorry say that again you you were selling your sled like after i think it was oh, sort of yeah. after that year is when that, you sold your sled and, and yeah. decided snow biking was the way to go yeah well it was um i want to say when we went out that was my very first time ever on a snow bike okay and uh, for me it was like i didn't want to give it back i know it was i wasn't out for very long i think i maybe had like the 10 minutes and it was it wasn't super awkward it wasn't because you know we were up in the back country already the the bike was already sunk in the snow it wasn't like jumping on the bike in the parking lot and that's when then <laughs> that's when it gets real awkward if you're new right <laughs> yeah, yeah i can attest to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you've been on a snow bike in an icy rocky parking lot you know what i'm talking about so well we were already up there i was up there on my sled and it was like oh I was I was you know stoked about it knew I you knew I'd love it and uh we came down we had a really rad day it was already I believe near the end of the season yeah. I think that was maybe like a March or in April or whatnot and that sled that I had was a 2014 XM so it was like okay yeah like you know and I'm basing up myself out of places like Revelstoke and I like to go and ride in Nelson or whatnot so it's like it's her time well you know before I yeah, I beat the sled up too bad I should probably sell her her name was Wanda and she was great but Wanda had to go sold Wanda to uh, a younger kid in town and um, then that next winter actually I was in Saskatchewan I spent a bit of time with my family 
but then after that winter, I came back to BC and uh, got my first Husqvarna. So that's what I decided I'm going to go after trail riding versus just track riding. So I got the 150 TI then. And that's when I first met uh, Riders Edge Suspension. And I didn't know much about their history at the time, <clears throat> other than they were a Husky dealer and I was stoked on a 150 TEI. So that's when I got to meet the crew there. They were amazing and, and you know, had me out the door right quick with a bike. And I took that straight up to the West Coast. So I went where I knew myself to be stoked to be for summers. And that was near Squamish and Whistler. And so I was trail riding a bit out there, riding the motocross track yet with it uh, in Pemberton. And then it was coming around to like near the end of that summer. I'm like, okay, well, what am I doing here? Am I going to be buying a new sled or am I building a snow bike? And so like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm hearing these voices from friends in the past saying like, oh, you know, bashing snow bikes. Cause all my, all my, you know, winter buddies at the time were sledders. Right. And they're like, oh, those snow bikes, they're breaking down all the time. Oh, those snow bikes, they cost you so much money. But I'm like, oh, but fuck they're, You know, have you ever been on one? They're so much fun. <laughs> but, like, you don't even know. What so I was, I was having a struggle bus trying to decide, am I sledding or am I snow biking? So I'm like, ah, and then, you know, after getting to know Ian at Rider's Edge Suspension, I got to discover like, oh, okay, they, they're, they're well into the snow bike scene during the winter months. Right. And so I'm like, I'm going to give Ian a shout and I'm going to see, I'm just going to find out some more details, right? So I call Ian and I had this idea for, you know, this kind of bike with this kind of kit. I don't know what I'm talking about. And Ian, you know, he, after some chats, like, you know, we got discussing a little bit more about it. He schooled me up on it and he's like, hey, this is what we can, what would be the, the, you know, your weapon for winter, you know, especially being someone who's a smaller rider, that carbon kit is going to be, is going to be all for you kind of thing. Right. So I'm like, okay. So now then I got schooled up to like, okay, Yeti Snowmax builds these lighter carbon kits. And uh, that's probably the, the route I'm going to want to go, especially being on a bigger bike that can handle some of this like steep, deep terrain that I like to ride in, in Revelstoke. So I'm like, okay. So this was maybe like a September, I believe it was like, I thought about it for another month. And then I just pitched myself to Yeti Snowmax. I said, Hey, I'm Cass. I've never snow biked before. Not really. Um, and I'm totally stoked to get into it. This is going to be my first season. If you're ever looking for female ambassadors, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of the throttle. <laughs> and so, and then with that email, I sent a photo that was taken uh, that day that we were out and I was on uh, our friend's snow bike there and I got the ski up pretty good, almost noon, yeah. I think, and uh, sent them that photo with then what I'd said, you know, just my little pitch, the cam cast. And before I knew it, it was like, okay, Rider's Edge is getting a kit. It was like the Yeti was excited and the kit was there. I'm like, uh oh, I got to get myself a bike. And, and this is all happening kind of thing, right? So then, uh, and, you know, further chats went, went along with Rider's Edge and got the bike lined up. And it was like, wham, bam, I'm snow biking. And it all took off pretty quick. And it's easy to say you never looked back because on a snow bike, you're moving so fast ahead that you really can't look back. you got to keep your eyes where you're going. I'm always you're... looking for the deep end. Yeah, if I can. And the biggest struggle bus thing that I deal with is just talking in front of the camera. I don't know if you're like, I like to, I like to give myself a hard time with this as often as I can, because like I'm somebody who's known in the backcountry for just you know, talking and laughing and causing a ride. I'll go out back there and be like, oh, you're that girl at the cabin that one time that was standing up on the edge of the, you know, just being a little bit outrageous and funny or whatever. And then you get, a, put a camera in front of me and I'm just like, whoop, oh, you know, just like, and so I'm doing my best to be like, hey, I'm Cass, Yeti Snowmax and oh, there's my struggle bus, but I'm working on it. It's coming along. There's been a lot of really great opportunities that have already come for me with that. And that's been, you know, just the opportunity to, be a rider in front of the camera, which has been a lot of fun. And then also meet a lot of phenomenal riders and other athletes out there in the back country, just to, to be in that same field as them and be doing that has been, uh, it's been a trip. I don't know how else to, you know, this is right now we're in February here and there's still at least a couple months of riding left. I yeah. plan to be, I plan to be out there in the spring, this season. So there's still quite a bit to go. And, uh, well, we'll see. It just, it feels like, you know, you know, it's with each month, it's more and more, but it's good. So you, you've done a lot of things, a lot of different things. You put yourself out there a number of times. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure not every time has worked always to your liking, but enough times that you keep doing it. Um, how do you, how do you balance like mental health with all of this stuff? Um, 
do you do you have like are you yoga are you practicing <laughs> yogi uh do you meditate do you like crystal math like how does a person <laughs> manage their mental health Big glass of vodka yeah <laughs> you know i um <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I, you know what, you know, it's amazing now for me to, you know, talking about this, you know, really like draws you back to this, you know, where do you start, start to start. And at the start of this whole thing with, let's say, leaving that house in Saskatchewan or in Martinsville, Saskatchewan, where I grew up, um, you know, I, I was well into like meditation and journaling then. And that was like, I remember like it was maybe not every morning, but every night for sure, I'd be writing things like I'm, you know, lots of power sports brands want you know, want me to be working for them. I remember like, you know, just manifesting this like crazy. It was maybe for about a year, for a year and a half or so. I was like, yeah, I was into, I was into yoga a bit, but it was more so like into that meditation and that journaling and setting goals and that, like that statement for like, this is the way it's going to be. Because after that experience in in Nelson or Nelson, sorry, New Zealand, where I got to just step into like, Hey, I'm Cass. And it's like, this is who I am. I am not, you know, not, I am the, person I am I'm grateful for the way I, you know I, I grew up in Saskatchewan but a part of me just needed to step into who I was and uh and it was me like stating it after I came back to New Zealand and I had some downtime at, you know while I was doing you know my electrical school and some of them you know maybe that month or two after school where I was just like okay Cass what do you want you know and and who are you and what are you going to be what are you going to do what's it going to look like and most importantly what's it going to feel like and I went through a, you know maybe a good year and a half where I was really committed to not like I need to figure it out, but I just needed to do spend some time with that and then figuring that out. And now it's like, it's, it is moving so fast that I find myself not maybe. And then, you know, it feels like it's like, Oh, what am I doing? You know, get the pieces back together. And you know, what do you, you know, I have to bring it in. I feel like every once in a while, I feel like it comes in waves where it's like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Okay. What's, you know, where's this, you know, this has been, you know, a lot of excitement, but it's not to say it's, like, you know, the extreme, the other comes, it's just like, you need to, I need to rest and I need to see where this is going. And, you know, if, if goals are changing or if what I want is changing, I need to pay attention to that. What's presenting itself and go from there. I think it's honoring the downtime in it all. It feels like, you know, I like to live a lifestyle that's super like yang and a lot of energy, but there is that, the need for that, that yin and the yang. And, and I was actually thinking about this the other day. I'm like, oh, I was so proud of that girl that was like, doing her her journal and her her goal setting at the end of the day and and it's I there's something to be said for that and uh, I think it's important to just tune into yourself and what what it is that you know you need and what you're, you're honoring and you know all those things that you hear growing up you know just be yourself and do what you want to do and forget what anyone else thinks it's like the, you know those things that you hear and you're like yeah 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 and it's like well yeah that's that's a big one you know yeah, so. well, and I have that as my screensaver on my computer is it said, you'll care far less what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do, right? It's just like, yeah. it's something that you have to, you have to grow into though. Mm-hmm. So the way we, we kind of like to wrap up the second act podcast is we talk to people who, who were doing something and it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't what they wanted to do. They're doing something different and, and some people are wildly successful and, and they talk about that. Some people are in the process of finding that success. Some people don't know exactly what it is, but they, they just know what they were doing wasn't it. Um, and so I like to ask, what is success to you now? And what does it look like? And does it look like what you thought it was going to look like when you embarked on this crazy ride and walked into the, the airport and said to the gate person with a ticket to New Zealand in your hand, hi, I'm Cass and I'm going to New Zealand. <laughs> I would say success for me now uh, looks so much differently than what it what I I perceived it to look like when I was in my early 20s for, you know, I think, you know, growing up in Saskatchewan, it's perceived to be this like maybe, you know, you've got your family established by this age and you're doing your thing and your career is taken off and that. But for me, success is really in how much uh, how much fulfillment and purpose you have in, in through your days that just feels so you know, real, I think. And I feel like I can see that in some people when you meet them and they're super genuine and authentic and in that, uh, you know, and being who they are and they're, gen- they're living their, um, their life the way that you see, you know, is, is all them. 
to me, that's success is finding your, your, who you are and, and honoring it and, and your, and finding your role and not to stop trying to, to get there. You know, if, you know, like, like the, the story of the podcast is to, you know, this wasn't working and now this is what it is. Well, you know, never to stop uh, finding out what it is. To me, success is, is honor, is finding and connecting with who you are and that in that, and making that your life that in an easy uh way that is all you i guess super fun episode with a super fun girl um if you've ever had the opportunity to meet Cass, or if you know Cass from from any of her um adventures that she gets on you you know that the bubbly personality that is through your headphones or through your speakers on this podcast that's um that's not fake and that's not uh, put on that's who she is she's really um an interesting person who uh despite her her small stature uh, she's fierce and she will do the things that she needs to do as came through in this conversation. She's not afraid of anything. She's going to, she's going to figure out what she wants to do. She's going to, she's going to do it. She's going to be good at it. She's going to be better than you. And she's just so much fun to be around. It's an infectious, uh, personality that she has and, and the things that she wants to do. Um, and, and she really likes to do the fun things, you know, she, she got into, uh, being a being an electrician and it, it wasn't as awesome as she was hoping it was going to be so she went and found the awesome things uh, mountain biking all over the world now she's uh, snowmobiling and snow biking around revelstoke and all these people that she meets on the mountain i've seen it uh, numerous times where she just walks up and says hey i'm cass and and the next thing you know people are sharing stories where they're from who they know and, and the world's a small place we all know that it's it doesn't take very long before you can do uh, four or five degrees of separation from the people that you're um just walking around on the street Cass loves to facilitate that and that's uh that's one of my favorite things about her you know I, I talk to her over the Instagram machine a couple of times a year about something she's doing and uh and it's just like uh we we've we're talking last week and, and that's a lot of fun another great episode uh Cass as I said is probably the first person that I ever asked to be on this podcast and uh when we finally made it happen so I'm really excited about that uh, she's got a lot of really cool things on the go uh, it's a lot of fun to sit down and talk with her about it. We've got a few other ones coming up here, um, really exciting ones, and uh, and we're approaching our 50th episode. We've got uh, a really special guest for our 50th episode, one that we've been um, kind of wanting to, we, we've been talking back and forth, and, and we finally uh, made it happen. We've got it recorded. It's in the can. It's going to be a great one. So about five weeks from now, uh, we'll we'll drop episode 50, and, and that's kind of a milestone. That was something that we were going to Make sure we got to when we started this. We were going to get 50 episodes in because it seems like so many of them drop off uh, way earlier than that. And, and we we wanted to make sure that if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. So uh, stick with us to episode 50. It's already in the can. I promise you it's going to be a good one. Somebody everybody knows or a lot of people know. So like we say at the end of these, um, there are no wrong answers and there's no test at the end. So make the most out of every day. The second act of the podcast, we'd like to thank Ben Sound for the intro and outro music. Happy Rock. That is www.bensound.com. We'd also like to thank Chin Whiskers for the promotional consideration. You can find them at your local Tommy Guns, Original Barbershop, Amazon, or chinwhiskers.ca. And we would also like to thank you for listening.